When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. When I clock out of the hospital at 6 p.m., I'm not done for the night. That's when Gamer Nurse 40 clocks in, and she's got orcs to slay. Sure, I'm playing a 13-year-old in Scranton, but he's a level 53 mage with a filthy mouth. So I need to stay on top of my game. What'd you call me? That's when I crack open a Heineken Zero Zero. Zero alcohol, but just as refreshing. So I can focus on stealing his gold before his mom tells him it's bedtime. Take that, kids. Heineken Zero Zero. 0.0% alcohol. Now you can. Must be 21 plus to purchase. Enjoy responsibly. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Episode 59, Season 10 of the Fighting Got Podcast. This is the podcast after the one where we, what a game, that we lost the, uh, is it Carling Cup? I'm not even, Rumble House Cup? It's Carabao now. I'm not sure it is. I think it's Milk Cup, if anything. <laughs> doesn't matter. We never want to get a Little anyway. Woods myself. Little Woods Cup. <laughs> Rumble Worthington. Worthington. Do you remember the Coca-Cola Cup? Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, it was shit, wasn't it? <laughs> this this competition has always been shit. Look at how pathetic Man City were when they were celebrating. Oh, we won the League Cup again. We don't want to. We, we never wanted to win it. We never wanted to win it. weren't interested. You saw that from the performance. Not a single player on that pitch thought this is worth my time. It's not worth, worth, worth my time watching it. I just clapped. I no. I mean, it's good for the little clubs to win it still, but um. Yeah, it's not something that the big old Tottenham Hotspur are going to be interested in. Don't give a it's shit, beneath mate. us. Yeah, it's a bit beneath us, really. <laughs> Don't, give be a shit. Don't give a shit, mate. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. It's so painful. It was... Is it painful? I'm not sure, boys. How, how, how are you feeling currently? Well, like... <laughs> I mean, not great, if I'm being honest, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, as discussed, it, all, it is all those things. It's shit. It's changed its name a million times. City have won it 400 times in a row. Um, it's, it's all bullshit, but we're in a cup final and I wanted to win it the entire time that we had an opportunity to be in that final. I was really looking forward to it and I thought, yes, this is it. We're going we're gonna to get some silverware finally to pin to this team. And it didn't happen. So, yeah, obviously, I'm gutted. But at the same time, we had a manager change a few days before. It hasn't been a great season. We haven't been on great form. And we're playing, you know, one of the best sides this country's ever seen. So I kind of went into the game not with great expectations. And normally, I'm super optimistic. But with this one, I was kind of like, look, I'm expecting a defeat. If we somehow pull it off, it'll be great. And it didn't happen. So, yeah, I'm gutted, mate. But you've got to just move forward now. So I'm just, yeah. It felt like, it felt like a free hit until the whistle blew to start the game, and I was like, "I really want this. I want this so bad." Yeah. <laughs> and then within three minutes, you realise we're never going to have this. We're never going to get this unless this is the issue, isn't it? It's, it's it's such a it's so difficult because like, wait, why can't we just turn up at a final and compete? Why can't we? Get to the point. Like we've we've had great results this season. We've beaten Manchester United away from home, Arsenal, Manchester Man City. We've beaten already. Like Jose Mourinho beaten two two games and bounce at Wild Lane. Like why can't we just get into a final and actually think we're going to give it a go here? It was just it just felt it was really disappointing. T wasn't it? Yeah, it just felt very very toothless. Um... I wasn't optimistic before the game started, but you know when there was, you know, I saw the team line up, even less optimistic. But there was sort of blue and I thinking, come on, you know, we can do this. And then they spent the first twenty minutes just pummeling us. I thought, fuck, you know, this could be an absolute massacre. And you know, we settled down and thought, as time went on, maybe we can get something out of this game. But you know, it's painful. We've not scored in what is it, five Wembley finals in a row. Just you know, all these stats that are coming out, it's just. Even more depressing, but you know, in a 
In the grand scheme of things, I think, you know, this disappointment is not really as big as others have had this season. It's just, I don't think this game defines Ryan Mason or any of the players there. So we just got to move on quickly. But why is it Why is it that, that Arsenal couldn't win an FA Cup last year? Like, or, or win, what, three, four FA Cups in the last 10 years? And we, yeah, and they beat City as well. Yeah, they beat City as well, didn't they? Um, yeah. What? Like, is there something about? Is it just that this is what Spurs are? Like that, that there is outside of the realms of sensibility and um, logic that there is some sort of force that exists outside of Spurs or or looking down on Tottenham, and it's just saying you had your feel in the sixties, you had Bill Nicholson, you had Birkinshaw, you've had your bit. Now you don't get it anymore. This is Man City's time. This is Arsenal's time. This is. United's, Liverpool's, Chelsea's time. All the members of the big six, in inverted commas, all of them have had successes. Like like successes that we couldn't even dream. Like if we'd have had half of what Chelsea have had or Manchester City or, or United, then we'd be, we'd be, we'd be content. And that's, that's the path to, to feeling happy in life, to just being content. <laughs> the problem with being a Spurs fan is we're never content because we never get just even once over the line. Um, it's just fucking frustrating. I know Pete, Peter Smith, he, he, he sent in a question and said, where did this sense of entitlement come from uh, with so many of our fans? Do you think, John, that, that Tottenham Hotspur fans have a sense of entitlement? I don't think it's entitlement. I think it's that we've had this very um, slow trajectory that's taken us from lower mid-table team that occasionally would do all right in the cups to being in a position where we are considered to be in what's now this top six and I think the main difference between us and the rest is if you look at United and Liverpool and even the scum they've got this like recent history of winning consistently right they've, they've had sustained periods where they dominated the league and even in, in Liverpool and United's case like dominated in Europe in recent history right so that's that level of like winning stuff it's kind of ingrained into not just their their squad, because obviously the players churn, but their fan base and the club and, and all of the things that go with it. And then you look at the other two in Chelsea and City, and they've been financially doped to the point where they've then had success. And then that then breeds this idea of like continued success. We haven't done it that way. We've got into this top six, and at sometimes we were in the top three or four organically. We haven't never been injected. We've we've never spent the most. We've never been in a situation where we've gone out and been a lottery club. And even the time when we did blow a load of money, that was because we let our best player go. So we we've built up this for such a long time that we feel as fans. And and now I'm thinking about it. It's not necessarily entitlement, but you do feel an edge of like we deserve it because we've tried to be the good guys here. I mean, present. Um, news aside about the European Super League but generally speaking we've tried to do it the organic way and, and try as they might like Sky and all these other media outlets trying to push you know push little old Spurs down we have forced our way into that and so people now feel like oh, we we should win something we, we're owed it a little bit and because it hasn't happened and the longer it doesn't happen the more and more frustrating it is because we just need to get over the line and then I think we start building that idea of what it means to win and that's us as the fans as well as the team I think I think perhaps some of the argument comes from not what's happened at Man City and Chelsea because you can un- that makes sense like they've put pumped loads of money into it it makes sense what perhaps might be the issue is because Arsenal have had success and more to the point in most recent years Liverpool have Liverpool have achieved 
more than... My dad witnessed Spurs win the league in 61, but the European trophies that we won didn't compare to the Champions League. It wasn't the top tier competition. So my dad's, you know, he's 70 years old and he's never experienced what Liverpool have done in the last two years. I mean, league, league title aside, but the, the Champions League back to back. Um, and you you could see that there is an argument to say that we could have done what Liverpool have done because they spent, there, there were, was it seven in eight seasons when we went from Redknapp, AVB to Shoa to Pochettino where they didn't finish above us. And then they made the correct decisions, like multiple decisions. But FSG came in, um, you know, they, they made changes. They brought Klopp in, they brought... Allison and Van Dijk in at the right times, and it just all clicked for them. They had Salah, a great acquisition there. Mane, brilliant buy, um, and it just it all clicked, and, and and that never seems to happen for Tottenham. And I guess that that's where that that frustration comes from. T, what, what do you make of it? Yeah, this feels um, so near, but yet so far. I think no, we wasn't entitled to beat City yesterday. Let's let's make no bones about that. Pep Guardiola has lost one cup final in 10 years. You I, know, saw that's what up, I saw that's what that. You know, that's what we're up against here. He's probably be done as the best manager of all time when he when he finally decides to what, call it a day. Was it was it 29 in 30 that he's won? Was it something I, as mental as that? Believable. Only, only yeah. Jose Mourinho had stopped him from winning a, a, a cup final once. Oh God, that, was, yeah. that was in <laughs> Spain. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so with the backdrop of that, we wasn't title to win this today, which is why I find some of the bants about us bottling in it a bit weird when they're up against Man City, where it's an absolute monster. But it does hurt seeing Arsenal win those trophies. It hurts seeing Chelsea. No matter what state Chelsea are when they always seem to get it over the line and win a trophy. And in our younger days, you know, up until, well, say, 1999, Spurs, no matter how crap we were, we always got a trophy. Every seven or eight years, we always got something. You know, we got the FA Cup in 91, the Worthington Cup in 99. We always just managed to get there. And since the Millennium Bug happened, something has just changed in our firmware, man, where we just can't get it done in cup finals. I think it started the Blackburn one in 2002, and then from there it's just... You know, 2008 was a glitch in the Matrix. I've even, just... even forgotten about that one. I, I remember I was at university that, that, uh, during you know when that happened. Uh, Les oh. Ferdinand puts one up, was that right? I wasn't in the country, so I figured I was boarding the flight. I thought we we're going to win this. Then I landed and we fucking lost. Like, what the fuck happened? Was it Matt Janssen? It was Matt Janssen, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking cunt. Um, Dan, uh, we've got a question from Track Logic. He says, Did Levy tell Mason to throw the game? We, uh, before you answer that, we're going to come on to. Uh, I put out a tweet earlier about what what people might want. If, if they want Enoch out, then what do they want? And we had like um, Matt, it was like 120 questions, and we won't be able, or, or responses. We won't be able to go through them all. But it, it, do do you believe, John, that there was any um, encouragement from Daniel Levy to Jose Mourinho before he got sacked to play his very best team against Southampton and and discredit the 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 League Cup final by playing a weekend side? Do you think is there any? Could you can you get on board with that or not? I mean, it sounds a little bit far-fetched, doesn't it? Like, where's the benefit of... I mean, we, we basically played pretty much our best teams available. I mean, you can make the arguments about one or two players. 
in both games. So I don't, I, I doubt it. I don't know. I don't know. We, we played the. It seemed like we played a much weaker side against City. I, I, I wasn't happy with the lineup. Was you? Well, we had, we had the same back four and keeper. So the only, yeah. the only thing that was changed was Winks, who came into the game against Southampton and played really well. Started. That was a bit of a surprise, but Endombele hasn't played well for a couple of games, so it wasn't like a massive shock to me. And I, okay. I did think he would feature though, which he did, which he didn't. So you could argue that's the case. But then we had the best strike in the world starting this game. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, if you if you're going to be a cynic about it and you and you believe those sort of um, those stories, the 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 starting lineup. As soon as I saw it, I was like, "Oh, fuck, we are fucked." And then the, the subs that were made when Ndombele didn't come on, where we were crying for someone to create something out of nothing in midfield. We didn't do anything in midfield at any point to put them any under uh, 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 under any pressure. The only times we had any joy was when it the ball came to Lucas Moura and he just ran like a maniac. <laughs> and then in those two instances, you probably should have got Laporte sent off, which I'll take your view on in a second, but. It felt like it. It felt like it was either it was either it, it was either Levy saying to Ryan Mason, "Then it doesn't matter about this game. Just make sure you win against Southampton." Probably unlikely, or more likely, it was Ryan Mason at twenty nine, who is gonna always going to be struggling with the magnitude of the game and. Who he's up against making the wrong decisions because the the subs felt like they were wrong, the starting lineup felt like it was wrong. So it, it's hard it's hard to say. I, I mean, in answer to the question, did Levy tell Mason to throw the game? Of course not. T, you got anything to add? Um, no, pretty much what you said. Um, wasn't happy with the team selection or or the subs made. He had five subs as well, which made it even worse. Okay, um, we've got another question from South Stand St. Uh, he he says, uh, would you rather have kept Jose, won the final and had a major refurb in the summer? <laughs> uh, Short answer to no. No, you wouldn't. Oh, I, I see. So I, I guess the jeopardy is keeping Jose if he fucks up. I mean, I I'd just... rather have kept him, won the trophy and us fuck up than not winning the trophy. That's that's where I would be. Yeah, well, I'd probably rather keep the trophy, but I just think... Um... It's just been, I think towards dinner, just a bit too toxic with him there. And it's just starting to filter through to the fans and the players. I mean, who's to say that, you know, maybe if he won that <coughs> cup, maybe you know, he would have got the rebuild that he asked for in the summer. But I think it was external things that was making his job untenable, Main, namely his calling out of players. Yeah, fair enough. Um, we've got a question from Ansi says, Anasi, sorry. Uh, why did Ryan Mason, with about as much managerial manager experience as you or I could give, well, why was he given the role over Chris Powell, who has 10 years under his belt? We don't know. I mean, it... go, go on, go on. You, you, you guys answer first, and then I've got, I've got some comments to make about it. Well, I th- I th- uh, yeah, thanks, mate. I think, um, I think basically you have to look at a couple of factors. One, it's the kind of a PR win for Levy in a time where we just had the Super League stuff and it was pretty toxic. And so if you're going to you're gonna take a man, Jose, who was unpopular, then the club's in disrepute, their reputation's all over the place, and, and you've got to present someone. Ledley, to some extent, has been a little bit tarnished by Jose. Chris Powers, 
whilst like I think personally is a is a Spurs man, he's a Spurs fan and um, has been a season ticket holder, etc. He's not synonymous with the club. So out of those three, if you have to pick one to step forward, it's it, it kind of I can understand why it's Ryan Mason. Plus, you've got this um, story there in terms of you know his injury and the long association with the club. He's been there for years, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think it was definitely down to that. And also, I just think it's much easier at the end of the season, even if he does well, to go, well, he's 29. He's not ready anyway. This has been great experience for him. He's going to stay associated to the club. See you later. Whereas if you bring in someone like a Ledley and he does really well, it's harder to just move him aside and push him push him away. So that that's why I, I think that they, they went down that route. Have you had tea? Oh, not much really. Um, I don't think it makes a difference if you hire either of them. It's all, it's all PR anyway. It just makes it easier to get rid of them at the end of the season. You know, we looked all right against, against um, Southampton, so it's a bit knee-jerk to say we should have got Chris Powell instead. And I'd imagine he'd have got really awful abuse if he'd have picked that team yesterday, so it's for the best. Yeah, he's six, six days into his, his job. Like, I, know, I know his job might be short-lived and it's, you know, he's going to go to the end of the season, but he's going into a cup final, which he's not prepared for. He has no experience to prepare for that. He's um, he's going up against Pep Guardiola, Pep Guardiola and Manchester City, uh, which is a challenge for anybody. And um, you know, it's a it's a, it's a situation where he 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 couldn't win. Like he could could he have made decisions better? Yeah, yeah, he could have made decisions better. I wouldn't have picked that first team. I wouldn't have made the subs. But I'm a fucking a bloke who lives in Wiltshire drinks wine on a daily basis and has got a dad bod. What the fuck do I know? Like Ryan Mason, I'm sure he's more qualified for me to make any kind of suggestion about what he should have, shouldn't have done against the greatest manager in modern era and probably the greatest squad that we've seen certainly in the last three or four years in the Premier League, probably in the top five in the Premier League history since 92. So, it's, I, I think it's a little bit unfair to throw him under the bus. That said, right now, I hate his fucking guts, but <laughs> only because he couldn't deliver me the impossible and it, and it felt like an impossible thing. Is that, have I, am I wrong there? John? No, that's, oh, that's, oh, completely go on, fair. that's completely fair. I mean, when I saw the team, I was thinking maybe it's about the collective and not the players chosen. Maybe he's got a system in place that We'll get it done. I'm thinking, well, maybe he's not picked on Dombele and Bell because maybe he's like got the team playing in a certain way. So we're playing out from the back. When Hugo had a goal kick, there were two players alongside him. So obviously he had a plan to try and break their press. And, you know, maybe there was logic to the 11 that he picked. But as I said earlier, I don't think Ryan Mason's abilities hinge on yesterday's game, even though the he's, team he picked in the he, subs were shit. Yeah, his career doesn't hinge on what happened yesterday. His career doesn't really hinge on what happens for the rest of the season. He'll always like he needs to at twenty nine take a path that leads him to a point where he can achieve the things he wants to achieve. But getting the job, the Spurs job, I mean, you've seen that with Lampard as well. Like you know that Jorginho um, came out uh, last week and said that uh, you know I'm, I'm not. This isn't verbatim, but more or less saying Lampard was out of his depth. He didn't. He need. This was too soon for him. And you can't just throw in a manager like Ryan Mason and just say, "Yeah, everything's going to be right." It's not. It's not. So, so, so this isn't a defining moment for him. He's he's got ten years to work out how to be a top coach. 
he's doing his best because he's been put in this situation. Why he's been put in this situation is a conversation that we'll probably be having for years and never understand. We definitely won't. We might be having it for five weeks and then we'll forget about it altogether. But um, Mike, uh, go on, go on, sorry, go on. sorry, mate. just just quickly like on that um, subject about selection and stuff with Mason. Like a- any manager with basically a week going into play City in any circumstance is going to be really tough to create and drill the players into a certain system. So I think like no matter who it was, I think that was really difficult coming in and trying to trying to do something for them. I will stick up for him though because I I did think when I saw the lineup I agree with T I was like oh God's sake like Winks I'm not sure about that like where's Bale, but actually in his defence we got to 75 minutes we were in the game and we had moments before he started making the substitutions and that's where I think it went wrong where we'd sort of like rode the storm and we'd come out the other side and we were getting a bit more possession. And it was exactly at that moment when that sort of like light bulb went in my head where I thought, we're in the game here. Just bring Endombele on, get control of the midfield and bring Bale on and give us like another threat. And we, we're, we're in. And then the subs board comes on and Sissoka comes on. And I said to everyone in the room at the time, that's it. We've done it. We've fucked it. Because we're now not going to be able to keep possession. Or when we get it, we're not going to be able to use it very effectively. And so that's where I think he went wrong. I actually think the team he picked... By by kind of hook or by crook, did the job for what it was supposed to do, and then it was those. It's that killer instinct which you learn with time, or like the very best managers pick that up very early. And I just like he just made he just made bad calls with the substitutions, and that can happen. So yeah, I, I don't think it was a complete disaster in terms of selection. I just think the substitutions is what really ultimately what killed us. So um, we, I mean, we can always break down the te- technical aspects, and I agree. Like we, you know. I 100% agree with what you just said, John. But all of us, on about 80 minutes, we're like, we can get, we can do this. We can <laughs> yeah. hold on a minute. I, 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 so I watched the game on my own, which is no way to watch a cup final. I, I got to say, the last time I watched a cup final on my own was in 1991, and obviously we won that the FA Cup against uh, Nottingham Forest. But since then. I've I've watched every every important game with other people, but given COVID and shit that's happening, and the fact that I have to work early on Monday morning, so I I, I could not watch it with with someone. I had to had to sort of go through it on my own, and it just felt didn't feel like um didn't feel like a cup final. It felt like I was watching a league game at Wembley back two years ago. Um, can't remember what, what was my point. What was what, how did I start that? Watching, watching a game alone? No, it's before that. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Um, I've forgotten what I've said. <laughs> I just I just caught up in my own sorrow and misery because uh, you know I just feel like I deserve. No, you thought you thought we could win towards the end. Yeah, yeah. that was it. Yeah, so so I felt like um, I was like, hello, come on, boys. Like maybe Macy's got it all all right. Maybe we can maybe we can snatch one here. Um, but it was like. Have you ever seen the the Avengers, like Thanos, the inevitable? Mm. I am the inevitable, and he clicks his fingers, and everyone fucking dies. That's what it felt like <laughs> when 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 Laporte headed the headed that goal in. It was just like, yeah, I get it, I understand it. And it was it was the worst. It it was one of the most. It was just it it weren't backs against the wall. It was just. The inevitable was coming, wasn't it? Anyway, look, let, let's not just concentrate on that. Cause it's fucking boring. We all know what we what we meant. It's Mike from Queens. He sent me the question: What if anything can we do to cheer up Son? Fucking, well, I don't know. Two hundred grand he gets paid a week. Is that not cheer him up? Just <laughs> fucking get on with it. 
Dreadful. Yeah, but it's. But we don't have to. Look, Mike, I get where you're coming from, but it's not our job to cheer up fucking Hunmin Son. It's his job to fucking do something. And I'm grateful. Like, I'm happy that he's a part of us and I want him to sign a new contracts and all that sort of stuff. But, and I'm sure there's a sort of element of, uh, of jest in his question. I'm just not ready for it. <laughs> uh, can we do anything to cheer up, Son John? Um, you know, I think everyone likes a massage, don't they? Just a little shoulder rub. You know, like if you're feeling a bit down and someone just comes, like if you're in the office or whatever, or even if you're at home, the missus or whatever, or, you know, your other half comes in and they just start giving your shoulders a little rub. You know, that always cheers me up. Um, chocolate is a pretty good one. Um, just, you know, assorted gifts, just stuff like that. Gift card, gift vouchers. Everyone likes how, gift vouchers, don't they? How, how would you cheer up a human son who's face down naked on a massage bed, a massage bed oiled? Um, I reckon you just um, slowly put your hand underneath the towel and then just whisper in his ear another hundred grand a week as you slip in your little finger up his ass. I love that. Is that where you? Is that where you were going, T? Because that's not where I was going. I was like, good massage, like good, like get his work his glutes, like get, like get his shoulders loose, and make him ready for training. Um, I think I'm a, a, I think I'm him, him a little toe fuck up the ass. Toe, what the fuck? Toe, wow. Yeah, toe fuck. Right up the bum. Right up the bum. That will make him feel better. Uh, we had, um, we, we, we put out a question about uh, if, you know, loads of people want in it out. It's a massive thing at the moment. It feels like it's going to build and build. I don't think like the same thing with the Arsenal t- uh, takeover. You know, the guy from Spotify wants to, by Arsenal with a consortium of all the fucking plebs that used to play for them, Crescens. Um, it's it's so difficult to buy a club that size. I, th- I feel like they think that when when Shakeman saw bought City, that they were at a point where they were only on the up. Man City, uh, Man United took out huge amounts of debt. The Glazers took out huge huge amounts of debt to get something like the Super League underway later to to buy them. If Arsenal fans feel like the bloke from Spotify and and and, and Burkamp and Henri are going to come in and save the football club, I think it's a little bit naive. I get the attraction of something different. I really do. But anyway, we, uh, we're we in a similar situation with Enoch. Um, you know, to buy Arsenal would cost, I'd imagine, a billion, maybe 1.5 billion to buy Spurs with Daniel Levy at the helm. Like, imagine what Daniel Levy wants out of football clubs from pl- for players that we don't even want at the club, and how how he draws out every value of uh, every sort of penny of value in their little toe, what's he going to do with his own stake in the football club? Like, what's he going to do if, say, an investment company from America or Amazon, whoever it is, come along? Like, right, Daniel Levy, Enoch, we want to to buy Tottenham Hotspur. We want to. Um, want to buy them off you and we're going to do whatever we want to do with them but we we need your stake we need to be the the you know the major investor in the club we need to own the most most uh, amount of shares in the club to have a controlling aspect of it you know what what's your price if spurs are worth 1 billion he wants 2 billion is that like does, that, does anyone else feel like the, the, the any any kind of takeover would be so long and protracted that it would be 
that what what Spurs fans want and people that want Enoch out it isn't going to be um, so obvious and so sort of open-handedly ready. T, what do you think? Um, I mean, it's I mean you're correct in that it'll be protracted. Um, what Arsenal are doing is kind of tugging at the heartstrings, having ex-players and a fan buying a club. I would rather a fan not buy Tottenham in the sense that yeah, they'll just make they'll make a decision that'll annoy someone. I'd rather someone just be cold-hearted, which is a bit what Enoch are in actuality. Um, I think having fans by the club isn't great. I personally think that something needs to change, and I feel that the ESL was a tipping point because we could have been booted out of the Premier League. Um, you chased this dream. I mean, I understand why Levy went for it with a bit of FOMO with the other five out of the big six going for it, but. I think something else will change, whether that be Levy stepping back and having someone else from Enoch take the reins. I just think that um, we can't have this Stockholm syndrome that it's better the devil you know. I don't, I don't go along with that. I think the problem we've got, though, I, I totally agree with what he's saying there, but I think the problem that we've got is that we're at a valuation now on a size and the infrastructure we've got. That there isn't really like anywhere to go. So we're like at the maximum value of our of our business if you want to call it that and so anyone that's coming in i don't think that they come in and go right great now's the time to blow loads on transfers <laughs> that is that won't happen they will basically come in and do what arsenal's owners have done and just go we don't really we don't really care as long as we sort of sit between eighth and like first that's fine because we just tick over as a revenue model and so the only way i ever see this playing out better than the scenario we've got now is you have like an Abramovich type or a Sheikh Mansour type who wants like the glory and the soft power of having a successful football club in Europe. Because if you get a Bezos or like a big American consortium or, you know, anyone else, they're just going to run it as a business. They're just going to buy it going, right, that that brings in X amount of million pounds profit a year if we just keep doing exactly the same thing, which is what Arsenal do. Like, like I, I reckon that the people out there that want Enoch out, and I, I'm getting to the point now where I feel like, in order for us to make a step forward, we need owners that are going to speculate, and maybe, <clears throat> maybe that um, that Enoch and and Daniel Levy, which is where I'm siding with currently. Like I want them, I want what we have currently to do well. Obviously, we all do, and maybe um, you know, maybe the fact that you know building a stadium costs a lot of money, so can't spend on transfers. Building a training ground, same. Being at Wembley, same. COVID, the same. At some point, football is going to enter an equilibrium where perhaps Enoch do intend to spend and speculate, not just spend, because we spent on Ndombele, we spent on the Celso. That's spending, but speculate to the point of can we achieve more than what we have previously? And that's what we all want, really, because what we've achieved in the last 10 years isn't trophies, but it is a new foundation to go on and beyond. Now, can Daniel Levy and Enoch send us that way and, and 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 give us what we really want. I don't know. But if you want Amazon in, like Jeff Bezos, and or, or do you think they really give a shit about the plight of Spurs fans and what we want? Of course they don't. Yeah. The, there is... the issue with American owners is that they'll be more amenable to the ESL. So that's, mm. a, that's a genuine concern. Um, I think Alex mentioned earlier on when we spoke to him on WhatsApp that Jake Monsieur 
or anyone like that isn't going to buy a club anymore because of the FFP rules and fit and proper person. So we're not necessarily going to get that. I do think that there are things that Enoch can control and change, and I feel that Daniel Levy buying Gareth Bell, for example, I'm happy that Bell's here. Buying him over a defender was a sticking point for Mourinho. Maybe something like that's got to be scaled back direct to a football who has a proper vision for, for the club. And Hitchens getting a lot of stick. I don't know a lot of bams. I'm not going to try and I'm not going to stick a boot in on him, but you need to get a proper director of football who has a vision for the club, with the players that we're buying, the philosophy that we're playing. We can't just have go from Potts to Mourinho to another progressive manager. Director of football trying to buy players to fit that model. We need to try and streamline version of thinking. So if Enoch are to stay, they've really got to rethink um, how they're buying and sourcing players because. Um, there's value out there, and especially in a. I know we don't want to go back to the championship, but people are like Ollie Watkins, who I thought was overpriced, but he ended up doing okay for Villa. I feel that our scouting has to improve. Yeah, but you'd say that, but Vinicius cost us three million pounds in a loan move, and Ollie Watkins yeah. would have sent would have played as much football as he has. And of course, I mean Ollie Watkins was a bad was a bad one to make, but I'm just saying that. In terms of recruitment, there there is value to be had, and we just seem to be buying awfully. And you know, it's with, with recruitment, it's not that straightforward to find gems. I mean, Brentford famously used the use a recruitment model which works well for them. And I just feel that our recruitment, the model that needs to change a little bit because we've bought an awful lot of shit over the last five years. So we uh, we sent out a, a tweet. It says, "If you want Enoch out, what would you uh, would you want to replace replace him?" Obviously, take it, uh, talking about it on the pod tonight. What uh, what would be some good suggestions of how we replace uh, Enoch if such a, an event would arise? And there's no, like, despite all this sort of groundswell of opinion against Enoch and, and what we want, there's no absolutely no guarantee. That anything's going to happen, and it, like my, if I was to put my house on it, that Enoch will be at Spurs for the next three or four years, probably. So um, it doesn't matter greatly, but you know people's opinions are important. Tim Sullivan said, "Don't necessarily want Enoch out. I've I've preferred more sensible choices made. I think overall they've been fine. New training ground, stadium shows good intent, but unlucky with transfers we have brought in recently. Bad decision with Jose." That was the only uh, that was only ever going to end one way. I think at the time it wasn't a bad, uh, from my perspective, it wasn't a bad decision, John. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what he's saying is like pretty accurate. I think this is the thing, right? All of us aren't privy to the potential investor pool in the world, right? So we're talking, we're not talking about who specifically you'd want. You're talking about the the idea of the type of owner you want to see. I think broadly speaking, again, like I think what he said there is is true. Like we have got training ground, stadium, all the rest of it. But the and and so this is to T's point, there doesn't seem to be a real thought process and structure around recruitment. And ultimately that has cost us. And it's not even about we need to spend two hundred million every summer. If we'd have just had the the same recruitment Leicester have had and like supplemented our existing squad and our best players and then just sprinkled in like a Madison and like um James Justin, like these players who they picked up for relatively cheap and have now done excellent jobs for their their squad, we would be in a much better place. And that, that does come down to decision-making of who's in charge of recruitment. 
and again, like see, I'm not going to put the boot in on Steve Hitchin. I don't know enough about him, but he is the one we've got in that position and it's not working very well. And so I think that that's, that's one thing that I totally agree with is that I just want them to do better because I don't see a world in which someone else comes in and suddenly starts spending 200 million in a summer. So it, I'd rather them be sensible about actually who gets appointed to make the decisions on football and recruit smartly not necessarily just blow in loads of money we've seen other clubs spend loads of money and it not work out so it's not always about that either Mustafa Axelrod he he, he sent in a question um two years ago he says I asked this question two years ago everyone was optimistic time to revisit should Spurs be should Spurs fans be optimistic based on the last five years or pessimistic based on the last 30 see when there's Lots of raw materials in the squad and in the club where you can be optimistic. Um, yet to throw that we're not going to lose cup finals forever. And, you know, this isn't going to be a permanent curse. So I think there's room for optimism. I just think that this next appointment and this next appointment is important. And how we change our recruitment model also is important too. So I'm optimistic. But these two things really got to get it right because... In the, in the early days of Enoch, well, mid-noughties, um, we had we had people like Huddleston, Aaron Lennon, Enos, who were cheap talent, but really elevated Spurs. And no reason why we can't go back to maybe a modified model of that. So I think there's for optimism, and I feel that the outcome of these protests is that maybe they'll listen. I know maybe it's pie in the sky, but I think maybe they'll listen to our concerns and maybe change a few things. Do you think if the, if all, all the mitigating circumstances happened, hadn't happened rather, and we were just in the position to just function as a football club, uh, even with Daniel Levy, who's a bit of a miser uh, at the uh, top of the table, that perhaps we would have been investing. Investing like like Alex from Bristol, he, he we were talking in the WhatsApp group, and he said that we've invested poorly. I think T, you alluded to it as well. But where where, where have we invested poorly? Like I know Jansen was bad uh paulinho is bad but would you say in the recent times hobier and domble and celso were bad moves well or... sanchez was a, was a record signing true oh yeah replaces walker true. Um, yeah you're right yeah no it's fucking shit i mean lissalso <laughs> and Dombele, the the jewelry's out on them lissalso was was god maybe this time a year ago now his name is mud um undombele has a good run and, you know, now he's not looking at his old self. So the jury's still out on those. But in terms of, in terms of recruitment, it's just been been very, very, very hit and miss. But it's, I think, Flav, you've said yourself loads of times, it's, it's a lottery when you're buying a player. But mm. it needs to be joined up thinking from the club and the manager. And hopefully we, we see that in the next 18 months. John, what do, you, do you do you think that there is going to be a, a change at Tottenham? Do you, are we are we going to see a difference? Are we, you know, it, will, will just football going back to normal with fans getting back into the stands and 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 we can make you know if I say we Enoch can make all the money they 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 hope to make and then and they they realise probably as as well as any Spurs fan out there that we have to have a team that's playing well. We can't be finishing tenth, ninth, eighth. You can't. You have to be in the top four or there or thereabouts. But it's no good Jose, um, Daniel Levy saying Jose Mourinho or sacking Jose Mourinho before a cup final. And, um, 
you know, because we were never going to finish in the top four or because he'd let the squad down or whatever it was. At some point, if we're not consistently performing, it comes down to to Daniel Levy's decisions. But, you know, do, do you feel like there is going to be a change? Like, if, and, and if if that does happen, what, what might it be? Or do you feel like this is just Spurs or, you know, give him, you know, two, two or three years and see what Enoch do? Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Because... I guess uh, experience will tell you that they will be fairly cautious and in the grand scheme of things, they, they won't really change much. As in, we buy a couple of players in the summer um, and we'll do that We'll do that over the next couple of windows and we'll, we'll slowly build towards it and it'll either work with a new manager or it won't and we'll continue on this carousel. However, that all being said, my heart is telling me that this does feel a little bit different. This does feel like we are at the end of the cycle. And the, the Mourinho throw of the dice was kind of like, right, this is it. I'm going to do the last injection of, you know, this this squad, the core of this squad is going to, like, I'm going to gamble on it with getting Jose in the mix. And let's be honest, the gamble hasn't paid off. And in a way, losing the cup final and depending on what happens in these last few games, you know, realistically, it's going to be very difficult to to finish in the top four. So it's going to be one of the worst seasons we've had for some time. And it's not just been like, scrappy and unlucky it's been toxic as hell all sorts of problems all over the the squad all all over the um the club so i, I feel like if there is going to be a change because i think it would be a departure from what we've seen and, and like we you know t was saying before about really taking a good look at ourselves and what our actual uh, model is for recruitment and actually what our philosophy is around the club in terms of the way that we want to play and the type of coaches that we want to attract and therefore the type of players that we're going to need and who we're going to have as director of football this does to me seem like the time to do it because I don't think we're going to be able to spend loads of money, but we could spend smart money on on the changes that we need and get rid of players because that's always been the other issue, mate. It's not so much about you know the lack of investment. It's as much about keeping the same bulk of Deadwood players that we all list every summer and go, they need to go, they need to go. I mean, Danny Rose hasn't had a squad number and he's been training with the youth team for a year. That is mental. Other clubs just get rid, get move these players on. And so there is a lot to be done. Do I think it's going to happen this summer? I really, really hope so, because I feel like this is an opportunity to have a proper clear of the decks and a refresh. And we've still got enough good players in the squad to, to still do something um, next season. Oh, I just want to, run, want to run through some of the other responses to that tweet, um, just to get an idea about how you know Spurs fans out there are feeling about potentially replacing Enoch. Alex says, uh, anyone that will spend £250 million across the bat line, the Man City model. (laughs) It isn't a Man City model. There is no model. It's just... This is the problem. I I don't want to throw Alex under the bus here. It's like saying, what what woman do you want to marry? Oh, I don't know. Fucking Pamela Anderson. Or fucking Cindy Crawford. Or... Fucking Rihanna. It's like Margot Robbie. <laughs> Margot Robbie. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what would make you happy, Margot Robbie? That's that was that. That's essentially that response. That no one. It, that isn't going to happen, Alex. <laughs> it's not going to happen. No one's going to come in and spend two hundred and fifty million pounds to refurbish our back line. It's just. It's. It's not going to happen. And and I wonder if people that are angry out there and saying Enoch out get them out of our football club, also think just get anyone who, who will buy us a trophy when it's happened twice 
twice in the Premier League history. It's happened with Chelsea and it's happened with Man City twice. That's two clubs out of, out of 72. And Blackburn. Yeah, and then, you know, what happened to Blackburn? Where are they? What, League One? If, the if is that, as well. Yeah, of course. If, is that going to happen to Chelsea? Is it going to happen to, you know, last time a, a chairman properly speculated without having the funds to, to back whatever happened before FFP was Leeds. And, and they spent 16, 17 years outside the top flight. So it's just not, that isn't going to happen. If it like if, if if you ask me like let me clip my fingers let yeah just fix everything by bringing someone in who can absolutely spunk all of his money because he doesn't give a shit into our football club and spend a quarter of a billion pound on four defenders yeah I'd take it but it's you know we all want to marry Margot Robbie as well um, Carl Jones he says uh, sorry um, sorry Raid. Biani, he says, a Salvation Army would do a better job than Enoch. Not true. Not true. I know he's making a point, John, but Salvation, Salvation Army do good work in a different way. <laughs> do, but, I, you know, I'd really like to find out their financial acumen because you know, I've seen them. They haven't had an upgrade of that kit for years. They've been going around with the same old fucking shit trumpets and all that shit. Like, they do give it the big in a lot, don't they? Look how good they are. They do. Are. Oh, what they, they do. What do they so actually... Tell me what they do. What does the Salvation Army actually fucking do? Well, they haven't had a fight for years, so army's misleading, for starters. Let's get them, get them on the front line if you're an army. Get them in. Next time there's a conflict in the Middle East, who are we sending in? The SS? No, fuck that. We've got the Salvation Army. Let's get them in the vault. Right. Well, so I want to send the Salvation Army to Broadwater Farm. That's what I want to yeah. see. See what you do then. How much, help you, how much respect are you going to get in Broadwater Farm, Salvation Army? Um, so they need a rebrand. They should just be called the Salvation Band because they just, all, all I've ever seen them do is just a brass band. They're not an art. They're not an army for starters. And in my head, so. in my head is exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then when one of them gets smashed with a glass bottle, it's just that. <laughs> Fix burners. That's what um, we need. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> fucking proper. Uh, I've lost, I've lost the fucking thing now. Okay, I've um, seen someone say, I've seen someone say, but this, this one's actually quite funny. Keithy one three one seven says, "Well, since I've had both my jabs, I recommend Bill Gates." <laughs> Very good, good again, again, something that's uh, you know the uh you know what people want and what we what we can actually achieve is or or, or what's going to happen to our football club is so different and again we talked about it earlier about like arsenal fans like clamoring over this geezer own spotify this geezer's worth 3.5 billion pounds right arsenal won't sell for anything less than what maybe 1.2 billion based on their value so he's going to spend half of all of the money he's amassed by building spotify for the last 10 years that they've been about, whatever it's been. And now he's going to go into Arsenal. <laughs> he's going to go into Arsenal and then buy them Mbappe. And buy... It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Like, I, I just... And, it, and this is the problem. There's a disconnect between the business and fans. We want everything. We want... And, and this isn't even Spurs. I think, like, we, I think Spurs fans have, have a legitimate claim on... You know, wanting things to be better than they have been over the last 
not even over like it's been great like it's been better than i've ever experienced in my life really this the last 10 years have been the best spurs i've ever seen and i don't want to go back to the early 2000s and we i don't think we ever could do because of what enoch have built and what how they've benefited from from the premier league but to to think that there is an owner out there who'll come in and have your as a fan best interest in heart at heart and um, and give you the players that you want, you're out of your mind. Because there's a reason why Abramovich took over at Chelsea and there's a reason why Sheikh Mansour took over at Man City and it wasn't for the betterment of fucking Chelsea fans or Manchester City fans or the game at all. They had ulterior motives. I don't know. I don't know, boys. I don't want to read any more. Oh, fuck. Uh... <laughs> where, where, do, where, do we, where do we go from here? How does this season end, T? A man made him in six out of seven games. And yes. Everyone, and everyone's happy. Yes. You know, there's um, there's a lot of good things said about Mason. You know, at halftime at the Southampton game, yesterday, as I said, he tried to play a bit more of a passing game. Uh, the, the running isn't bad. I mean, Leicester and Villa are probably the toughest games we have left. Um, well, leads away as well. Leads away as well, but... I think I think I think we'll, we should have enough about us. Um, there's no there's no major injuries. Um, I hate Eric Dyer, but he had a decent game yesterday. <laughs> that's that's encouraging as well. So yeah. there's, there's there's lots to be optimistic about. Um, I just think you got to just got to look at yesterday's game as just you know we're playing against the best team in Europe, arguably the best manager of all time. One lost one cup final in in ten years. Ryan Mason tried tried the plan, which wasn't really a liking, but it almost worked. So, it's got to cheer up and just hope that we can have a decent run in. And I think and I think we can. Fair enough, John. Yeah, echo that. You just got to just got to get the maximum points from the games available. See where it takes us. I mean, stranger things have happened. There's there's a chance that those clubs have dropped points and we somehow managed to squeak in top. I mean, that that would be the only thing that would surely give everyone a bit of a lift going into the summer. If it doesn't happen, then look, it's um, it's our club. Like you just got you got to stick with it. It's, this is one thing I always think about. Right, I get messages from like other fans, um, like friends of mine who support other like clubs, and they're like, ah, gutted about this, or gutted about that, and I sort of think, what's the answer? Do you want, do you want me to go? Actually, yeah. You're right. I'm going to start supporting West Ham now because you're right. We are shit. I'll do that, but of course not. So it doesn't mean anything. We we're going to go through shit times, and that's when we do eventually win it. All of that energy and that frustration builds up, and eventually we can we can release it like a massive spunk ball coming out of a massive cock, and the face that it's splatting on will be every other fan in the country as Tottenham go marching on. So it's shit. But it won't be shit forever, and let's just stick with it because we're Spurs. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Obviously, um, you know this is a weird moment, and it's it's confusing for us all, isn't it? Well, we we had Jose Mourinho, truly can deliver us a, a trophy. Six days before a cup final, he gets sacked, and a bloke who's ten years younger than me is managing our football club. It is a difficult and, and confusing time to be Spurs. Adding on top of that, uh, the Super League stuff. So I can understand why people are frustrated and. You know, and why people want Enoch out. And do you know what? Right now, if someone came in just to change it up, so I just didn't have to see Daniel Levy's bald fucking head, um, I'd I'd probably take it as well. But 
this is just a moment and you can't fail when you're a Spurs fan. Like, we might fail to win a trophy or whatnot, but compared to the plights of every other club outside the top six or seven or top ten of the Premier League, you know, compared to almost 90% of all clubs in Europe, we're always going to do better than them. You know, just one day it will we'll pay off and we'll we'll get over the line and we'll um we'll win trophies and all of this stuff we're having to contend with, you know, all the stick we're getting. I've I've had a fair amount of stick today. You know, after losing that game against Manchester City in the League Cup final. Right? But we've had that stick and, and every moment we have to sort of hold on to and hunker down and bury it to the point where we do win that trophy. And it you got to be grateful to a certain point that we even get into a situation where we could win something. That's that's something that fans of most clubs could never dream of. And when we do, we win the FA Cup or we win a League Cup or Europa, whatever it might be. We have the finances and the and the size to attract, even if it isn't Nagelsmann, isn't Nagelsmann he's gone to Bayern Munich by, by the sounds of things, if it is Brendan Rodgers or someone else, we've got a better chance than most each season of, of winning silverware. And it's only because of the jeopardy and the, the kind of pain of being there so often and not winning that makes things difficult. But imagine never being able to get there. Imagine never being in the conversation. Imagine as, as painful as it was to watch Manchester City absolutely run a train on us last night, uh, yesterday afternoon. And not by scoreline, but by position and... And tactics, they did. They did that to us. But imagine not being there. Imagine not being in that conversation. Imagine not being in the Champions League final. Like, that that three weeks before that Champions League final against Liverpool were some of the best I've ever experienced being a Spurs fan. And we didn't play a game in that three weeks. It was just the idea that Tottenham Hotspur were there and we lived in a time where we could witness it. All right, we lost. But we had to be there. You've got to always be there. And, you know, Spurs fans and Spurs as a club over the last 20 years on maybe eight or nine occasions have been there. It's just getting over the line. And one day we'll we'll do that. T, John Boy, I love you, boys. Love you more, mate. mate. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll be back on Friday. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Cock! A camel shut up! Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.